0: folks, this is John LaRance with Anesthesia Guidebook. I hope this episode finds you well. It's coming out December 11th, 2020, and in the U.S., we're on the cusp of seeing the first round of COVID-19 vaccines roll out. It's been an incredibly challenging year, and just because we've been hit with a devastating worldwide pandemic, life hasn't stopped or slowed down for all the SRNAs out there. Graduate school churns on, and the National Board Certification Exam has not gotten any easier. I think the stakes are probably higher now than maybe ever for SRNAs. Y'all are navigating the risk of COVID exposure on a daily basis. I've had two SRNAs test positive that just this year, been out sick. The financial strain of grad school is there for most of you and has probably gotten worse if your significant others have suffered furloughs or job loss. And the need to pass boards and find a job in a contracted market makes the whole thing more intense and weighted with pressure. In this challenging setting... I'm stoked to bring you this episode where I talk with Lieutenant Colonel Peter Struby about his highly effective tutoring services available for SRNAs and specifically about preparation for the CRNA board certification exam. Now, I work with CRNAs who have used Dr. Struby's services and I've taught alongside Dr. Struby at continuing education anesthesia conferences. While I've heard about his work from both him and those he's tutored, I'm so glad that I've had the chance to dive deeper into the topic of board prep with him and the specifics around how he structures his tutoring services. And to bring that story to you, he has worked with probably more people who have failed boards than anyone in the U.S. And so we go behind the scenes on what works and what doesn't work for SRNAs when it comes to board preparation. Bottom line, if you want to crush boards, I'd recommend reaching out to Peter If boards has already crushed you and you failed the first time or the second or the third or the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, I definitely recommend that you reach out to him. Spoiler alert, his services are completely free until after you successfully pass boards. I have no financial kickback, referral bonus or link in any way with Peter. So this podcast is purely informational on what he offers as well as general tips for board prep. Whether you use his services or not, if you're an SRNA headed for boards, you'll likely get some great advice out of this podcast. Now I wanna tell you a little bit more about Dr. Strube and then we'll jump straight into the conversation. Lieutenant Colonel Peter Strube is a CRNA who graduated from St. Mary's University School of Anesthesia in 2006 with a master's degree. His undergrad degree is from Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. He was awarded the Doctor of Nurse Anesthesia in June of 2017 and is currently enrolled in his MBA. The guy can't stop. Colonel Strube is soon to be retired from the United States Army Nurse Corps, and he has mobilized and deployed four times during current military operations, which includes service in both Iraq and Afghanistan as a CRNA. Dr. Struby is the assistant program director at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh CRNA program. He owns and operates Trollway Anesthesia that covers several critical access hospitals. Dr. Struby has authored several professional articles and training programs, speaks professionally both nationally and internationally, and tutors at-risk students on their anesthesia boards. He has been elected to serve on the Wisconsin State Association Board and is currently the AANA Region 3 Director. He has served his community as a member of the Mount Horeb Board of Education and as a commissioner on the Dane County Ethics Board and is a court-appointed mentor for veterans in crisis. You can connect with Peter, which is what he prefers to be called, through Prodigy Anesthesia's website, a link which you'll find in the show notes. And with that, let's get to the show. Well, Peter Struby, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for including me. I really appreciate this. It's a great opportunity. Hey, will you start by giving the listeners a short rundown on the services that you provide for board preparation and tutoring?
1: Yeah, so I've been tutoring and mentoring students since 2006. And really, a lot of students need some direction and they need kind of a professional mentor to be able to reach out with and have a conversation with and help develop structure and process. So, I uh, got a little bit more into the formal actual tutoring and uh, guiding students through the preparation process. And that includes whether it's a first semester student who's working on physics and helping them with some concepts and that, all the way to students who've been unsuccessful on a board attempt or several and trying to prep them for the next one and get them ready in order to pass their board. So it is a wide array of services. And we look at the holistic student um, as we'll talk about a little bit later in the presentation. But uh, we do try to look at the holistic student and really tackle a lot of things from both mental health to didactics as we prep uh, and prepare the student both for the academic load in school as well for the C exam and for the NCE.
0: So students can reach out and connect with you really at any phase during their training. Any phase, any phase.
1: Yep. And I have no financial relationship with any of the, there's five really review companies out there that sell products. Um, I'm able to use all the different products. Um, I prefer to use uh, Prodigy myself for tutoring, but all of the products that are out there of the five big ones, they all have good advantages and it just, uh, Uh, depends on the student the way they learn and their learning styles Uh, but it's very easy to use any of the five major review products in order to enhance them as well as even one-on-one discussions um, and little mini tutoring sessions one-on-one in order to gear gear them up for uh, for school and the challenges of that
0: yeah and and just to hit on those five uh, i'm aware of uh, prodigy of course Uh, which I use during training, uh, Valley, Apex, Core Concepts. Are there others?
1: Yeah, the last one is actually a smaller one. It's called Storm Anesthesia. It's Michael Storm and his wife. They're CRNAs in the Southeast um and they uh used to do some uh live review courses but now they have a review manual that's very nice uh and very handy so they're they're the fifth company that's out there
0: okay okay great so a lot of researchers out there for srna's when when do you say most srna's typically reach out to you is it is it proactively during their training with help with coursework or usually after they have failed boards
1: yeah i you know that's the one thing in our society, you know, there's such a stigma on asking for help that unfortunately a lot of them wait until either they've been referred by a program director or they've struggled just to the point of struggling and they don't know where to go anymore and then they kind of reach out for help. I would say maybe five and a generous 10% of my students are proactive where they identify that they you know, they, they are struggling, it's a different workload than they're used to, um, and they reach out and, and maybe just they need one help for one semester and then we don't talk for a semester or two and then they need help with another semester. Those are few and far between, but it's typically the resident who's struggled for a period of time um, and then they reach out or they're forced to reach out by their program director or some other um, somebody else trying to steer them towards being successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to talk to you a fair bit about, uh, residents and students who don't pass boards. Cause I think it's, it's a topic that we don't talk about very often. And like you said, there's a stigma associated with asking for help. So what do you think are some of the primary reasons that SRNAs struggle to pass boards?
1: Um, well, it's kind of a mix. I, I would, I think the big two biggest avenues one is the urban legend process when it comes to boards you know everybody says oh i should pass it a hundred and then, uh, you know, John Jones gets on Facebook or social media and posts that they passed at 100. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So people start to just have this preconceived notion that they should only get uh, 100 questions. Um, and that's the unfortunate piece. And then there, so those students just kind of struggle. And then anybody who has anxiety, uh, attention deficit, or they um, kind of any sort of sympathetic response to examinations, they get all worked up, um, and they can't control that, and then that that really becomes a self defeating aspect for them. Uh, so we work with them on mental health, meditation, mindfulness, hypnosis process, um, and then for some of them, it you know they do still all have a didactic piece that needs to be shored up a little bit, and depending on the style of the program and the structure of the program. Uh, you know, depending if it was front-loaded, what sort of styles that they had, when was the curriculum changed, uh, did they were they in the conversion process from master's to doctoral, all that needs to be taken into account in order to figure out exactly where they're at. Um, and I use an examination-based tutoring process, so they do take a lot of baseline exams every day, and then we develop the uh, review and the rest of the review day based on how well they did on the exam. So for example, we may be focusing on respiratory one day and they may struggle on respiratory anatomy or obstructive diseases or restrictive diseases. Um, And then we have to focus on trying to uh, shore that piece up while controlling their anxiety and their uh, nervousness and their sleep patterns and all the mental health that goes into that as well.
0: Yeah, so there's the didactic aspect of board preparation in just flat out studying. And then also what you're getting at is this kind of uh, psychological preparedness for taking an exam, which are, which are two different skill sets, really.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and some of them, they, they, they unfortunately try to link in their head that, you know, Oh, I took the NCLEX. I didn't have to study a lot in nursing school and I just, you know, breezed through it. Well, this is a different, caliber of exam a different uh, rigor-based exam uh where we have a set criteria you have to meet 450 everybody has to be on that even playing field um and for some you know they they don't put in the time or the the energy to study um and then are unsuccessful so even breaking down the study process and the study day for them can be beneficial, uh, as well as the structure saying, nope, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And then they thrive because they're not going in 50 different directions trying to read everything that's out
0: there. Um, If you keep them on a guided path, they tend to do a lot better as well. Yeah, yeah, that's great. For the average student who, let's say, was busy straight up through the end of their coursework and clinical experience in a program, they graduate, and now they're looking at scheduling boards. How long would you recommend a student set aside after graduation to study dedicated for boards prior to taking the board examination?
1: Uh, A solid four to eight weeks, solid four to eight weeks um, definitely setting that time aside. And, and when studying, you know, in that process, you know, that's six to 10 hours a day, five to six days a week. Um, the seventh day doesn't mean you're not studying. It means you're doing a light review, letting your mind recharge a little bit, uh, but definitely very intensive, uh, review process to get ready for boards. Um, and it's the ones that you know, I'm only going to do a couple hours. I'm going to see how things go, and then you know they struggle a lot and having to redirect them to uh, there's just the rigor of a day and the studying process. So once again, back to that six to ten hours a day for a solid five to six days a week with a light review, um, and somewhere between four to eight weeks of intensive review before yeah. they're ready for boards. Yeah, because it, it it's a thousand dollars to take the boards, so you want to get all the
0: cards on your side of the deck rolling in and not gambling with $1,000. Right. And would you say that same time frame is what you would recommend to someone who has failed boards and then they're contacting you? Like how long is your program typically laid out? Is it that same like four to eight week program before they would retake boards?
1: No. So what I usually recommend is for every 10 points that you're away from 450, uh, somewhere between seven to 10 days of studying. So, um, you know, 450 is the bar that every everybody has to pass. You come in at 430. Uh, we're looking somewhere between two to three weeks of intensive review to be ready. So seven to 10 days roughly for
0: every 10 points away uh, from 450. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's seems like a good plan. When you work with SRNAs who have taken boards uh, numerous times and have failed, What finally clicks for them when they do pass?
1: Um, Well, a lot of it is uh, one thing is, you know, I always equate it to like running a marathon. So you don't just start out running 26 miles. Uh, You have to prepare to be able to do 170 questions. And for a lot of students, you know, in anesthesia school, we, we hammer you with very short quizzes that are timed, but we don't teach you to run the distance, to be able to do 170 questions and be mentally sharp uh, on that. So simple little things that are important are muscle memory, Are you taking the first practice exam at the same time every day? That's when we want to schedule our boards. Making sure you're doing a minimum 100 questions a day. Some weeks you'll do 170 to 200 questions a day. Um, Getting into that muscle memory process. Um, The simplicity of scheduling. You know, don't go back to. Some people go back to the same testing center three or four times. Uh, Then you all you have a mental kind of block to that testing center. So, just simple things like changing the testing center. Uh, can be beneficial someplace that's close geographically to your house. So you can sleep in your own bed, a normal regimented morning. Don't sacrifice and say, well, you know, I always study at eight in the morning, but the only slot available is 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Well, your mind's already used to being fried by that point. So they don't, when you're inside the box, you don't appreciate little things like that until it's brought to light. And then you, you realize it. And if they have to travel, then, you know, I, I have them go a day early so they can stay in a hotel, acclimate. I have them stop studying the night before by 5 p.m. Don't, you know, don't try to cram to the last minute. All you're going to do is confuse things in your mind. Um, which is hard because, you know, everybody wants to cram to the very last second. So it's counterintuitive to a lot of them. So it's little things like that that make a big difference. And then just sending them through the rigor of the material. And that's where I like the software that I use. And like I said, I have no financial relationship with any of the review companies, but Using an exam in the morning and then designing the review based on your exam results focuses on areas of weakness instead of doing a module and then doing an exam. um, All you're doing is just kind of repeating the module and you're kind of glancing at the material, not actually studying it. And then you memorize the questions at the end if you take it enough times here by doing it in reverse you're actually spending most of your time focusing on areas of weaknesses uh, to shore those up so that that's also an underappreciated kind of angle or avenue to prepare for the boards yeah and the other thing too is i don't let them talk negative um so if somebody's been unsuccessful four or five times they have that self-defeatist attitude um and i use something called the rosenfall effect where you know i believe they can perform to a high level and Anytime there's a negative word that comes out of their mouth, it's immediate corrective action. And, you know, we're like, I tell them, you know, we don't talk negative about yourself. It's all positive. You can do this. Look what you've accomplished in life. And the intake call is all about things that they've championed. You know, they graduated school. They got into school and they graduated. Um, they've done really well, you know, they've done a lot of this stuff. are a lot of them are married. They have kids. They're, you know, great role models. And for parents who struggle and they have maybe young kids or teenage kids and they see mom or dad studying, and then they pass, it's amazing. The example that they've set for their kids about how, you know, mom and dad, we do all struggle in life and, you know, they worked hard, they overcame it and their kids thrive on that. Um, and they become the best cheerleaders for them too.
0: Yeah, there's so much there that's it's great to highlight, which brings me to this question. I want to talk a little bit more about like the stigma of failing boards and how that's perceived in the community. You know, A lot of people are going to feel shame or lack of confidence, or, or like you said, they come in with these chronic negative mantras about their performance, or they have a mental block about being able to be successful on boards. So you've spoken a little bit about like the intake call and how you're reframing the positivity with these SRNAs. What would you say to the broader anesthesia community about what it means to fail boards? Cuz I know a lot of CRNAs maybe even potential employers look at SRNAs who fail boards with that stigma or they they look on them in in a derogatory way. So what would you say to the the anesthesia community about failing boards?
1: Well, you know, interestingly enough, we all fail at stuff every day. You know, it's it's all about how you stand up uh, and how you rebound from it. That's the character in the individual. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, it's great. You passed your boards on your first attempt. Wonderful. Good for you. That's that's awesome. Um, I also would make the argument that people who struggled and they've worked hard and they've overcome things. They stood back up, and they have a strength of character that they never quit. They never gave up. They followed their dream, and they kept working hard. Um, and for people who say they don't fail, they're not telling you the truth. I, I mean, I five six times a day, I'm falling, I'm flat in my face, making mistakes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know we all do, um, and we but it's how we learn from it you know, and we, we get up again, we change things. We work on different things. Um, I'm a, I have struggled with communication all the time. So my boss, uh, Kathy Wren, she, you know, she's a blessing as a program director. And she, you know, she says, Hey, maybe you could craft the word, your email a little bit this way or change it this way. And, you know, I failed on communication, but I'm working on it, you know, all those pieces. And that's how, Um, Anybody who tells you they don't fail is just giving you, you know, they're giving you a line. So we think everything should be perfection. And in in anesthesia and healthcare, you know, we should be um, batting 10 out of 10 because, uh, you know, if we're not at the top of our game, patients get hurt or have harm. But it's how we learn from a lot of this stuff, too. And that just culture instead of that punitive culture that a lot of us grew up in. Um, and we can learn to be better and we can learn our processes. Um, and a lot of these, these students, you know, they're not, uh, they're not alone. You know, they, all the students share the same story and, um, you know, they struggle, they work hard and all of us work with people who are unsuccessful on their boards, but yet you might have them do the anesthesia for your kid because they're so good at what they're doing the OR. Um, you never know that piece. So just remember that as well, too, you know, that stigma piece, they may be the best CRNA in the OR eventually. So yeah, yeah we, uh, we have to appreciate that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can remember meeting a clinical coordinator at a site when I was in SRNA and he was obviously, well, I, actually, he was a chief CRNA and I think the clinical coordinator at a, at a smaller hospital, but very, very well regarded, highly proficient CRNA. <laughs> And I knew him for a matter of weeks, and then was shocked to find out that he had failed his boards the first time, and that was, mm-hmm. that was eye-opening for me to uh, again, just reinforce this idea that failing a standardized exam is not the final mark on someone's career, that it's, it's just a step along the process.
1: Absolutely. It's yeah. just part of the process,
0: yeah.. Yep. Do you think that the NCE is a fair assessment of SRNA preparedness to enter practice?
1: You know, there's there's no exam that will capture all of the pieces um, of, a, of a resident and how well they've done in school and their pieces. I would say for what we have, yes, it's a very fair, fair exam, and it's, you know, it's well structured, it's well written, and it, it is applicable, um, and they can work on that. Uh, the hard part is, remember, we have to have a set criteria to enter practice. Yeah. And a lot of students, when they're in school, they're used to, okay, I have five exams in physics. I do really good on one. I do really bad on another. The next three, I'm in the middle. Well, that kind of gets normalized over the five exams. But here you have a criterion based where it's just you need 450 and you got to get find a way to get points to get to that magical 450 um, to do that. And yeah, I think it is a fair assessment uh, yeah. for entry into practice.
0: I'm had a I'm the clinical coordinator at our local hospital for SRNAs. And I had a, a SRNA this last year tell me, in the, you know, month before graduating, I I sat down with all the, the seniors who were about to graduate and kind of had a talk about entering into practice, the transition to practice and how they were feeling about things. And she said something I thought was pretty insightful. She said that she felt like she was preparing for two different things. One was becoming a CRNA, getting ready to enter practice, putting those finishing touches on her techniques and practices, and Mm -hmm. then studying for boards. And she kind of saw those as You know, there's a tension there. There's there's dueling ideas of what she needed to think about and train for in her mind. Uh, what would you say to SRNAs who are feeling that way towards the end of school?
1: Yeah, that you know, that's a hard that's a hard balance because you know, we have excuse me, we have to have something that's even across the boards. So, you know, the NBC RNA bibliography looks at the 15, 16 books that are across the board that are entry level into practice. And we have to have something that's you know, a straightforward measurement tool in order to, to figure out, hey, has everybody met at least the minimal entry requirement? And much like you said, it's just a beginning step in the process of your educational endeavors and your journey on lifelong learning. The other big piece that I think comes into play here is a lot of people think that the item writers are trying to trick them or confuse them, when in reality, the only tricking and confusing is in the person who's taking the exam's mind. Mm. You know, They add words to a sentence, they do the yeah, but, where they say, well, yeah, but I had this one patient, or I had this patient, or yeah, but what about this, and that's not what you're being asked. Um, you know, it just, you have to go with just the information that's in the question. And that's where you have that clinical application piece where you're getting ready for real world experiences, where we use different things in different ways and we get good outcomes and good success. Where on a test, I can only test you one way on one piece of knowledge, one little sliver of that. Um, and that's where I think those four domains that we test on the basic sciences, the um, equipment, basic principles, which basic principles also has a fifth category in there, which is professional aspects, and then the advanced principles, which is kind of the leftover category. Um, you know, we kind of test you across the board on those things in order to determine where you're at.
0: So let's touch back on the kind of the mental preparation for board uh, examination. You partner with our mutual friend, Matt Zender, who's been on the podcast before as part of your tutoring services. Uh, Would you talk a little bit about how Matt fits into the picture and why you recommend SRNAs reach out to him as part of your services?
1: Oh, absolutely. So you know, one of the big things that's completely underappreciated in anesthesia training and in school is the stress and the work that goes into it Um, and a lot of us are unprepared for that or we don't have good coping mechanisms because you know globally in our u.s society mental health has such a stigma uh, to it asking for help has such a stigma so they're not prepared for all those pieces And almost uniformly to every student that um, I talk to or I intake into the program, they have something that's either anxiety. Um, A little attention deficit, some focus issues, stress reduction, some post-traumatic. You know, school is traumatic, so some little bit of PTSD goes along with those pieces. Um, And Matt works with him, works with these uh, residents on the mental health piece, which is nice because he's a CRNA, so he understands the verbiage, the vernacular, the language. He knows the stress that you went through in school and the pieces that are involved in that. So he can understand all that when you're talking, but yet he's a neutral third party that doesn't do anything with the didactic piece, but solely focuses on Stress reduction, doing a mind, starting your day with mindfulness exercises and meditation, and then nightly hypnosis process so you can retain the material better throughout the day and you get a better, more restful sleep. You wake up refreshed and recharged for the next day. And then they touch base with him on a weekly pattern. And then that leaves the didactic piece to me where I can focus on that and then we try not to cross over into the domains too much just because we want to make sure that the the resident has a safe outlet on both sides that they can they can work with so it really is a team approach that he and I use in order to make, um, make them successful. Um, and that mental health aspect is truly, truly underappreciated in anesthesia training. And it's just a blessing. It's a blessing from God to be able to work with him on that and his expertise. Um, and you and I, you know, we've listened to, we've been in the audience when he'd done some of his lectures on communication and that sort of stuff. And, you know, he really has a strong heart and a desire to do this. So it really is a good partnership. Uh, to help the SRNAs
0: and reach out to them. Yeah. He's definitely the real deal uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. So I think it's when I heard that you were partnering with him uh, for what he brings to the table in terms of coaching residents on the mental health and stress management aspect of things, it, it made complete sense. Uh, It made me certainly feel good about what the two of you are doing. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more specifically about the contract that you set up with residents, on uh, the tutoring package that you provide, so in, in in just to to pull Matt into that as well, his his services are are included in this contract fee. Is that correct?
1: It is, yeah. And I actually pay, so I pay Matt up front for the services, and then I remember what it was like going through anesthesia school, living on student loans, no money. Um, and, uh, there's no money, there's no money up front that exchange hands with any of the residents. They actually have 90 days till after they pass boards to make payments. So they can get some paychecks under their belt. They can get back on their feet a little bit. They can get some money coming in. So even um, if, so
0: w- which I think is remarkable. So even if, so if someone contacts you, they start working with you, they don't pay anything up front. They go through, they take boards, they fail boards. They keep working with you.
1: Mm-hmm. E- even if
0: through- they're. Eventually you're going to, you're going to get them to pass eventually. And then they have 90 days to start making a payment.
1: Yep. Yep. And if they, if they're with me and they've taken boards with me and they were unsuccessful, the bill actually stops there. Everything else after that point to get them to be a CRNA is, is free. There's no additional charges. Um, and they have 90 days. So I have one right now who's still in school who started with me two and a half years ago as a freshman. Um, and he's getting ready to graduate and there's been no money that's exchanged hands. So, um, he has till 90 days after he passes boards because we believe wholeheartedly that it's all about making people successful and making the world a better place, and part of the contract is they agree to give back and help be a, a coach or a cheerleader for somebody else along the line who may have a similar story or process um, that they can help be another mentor to. Um, and yesterday, I several of them I hooked up into a circle and they were all helping each other because I have two that are getting ready for boards and they needed an outside um, a voice to to cheer them on, and they've been working with some of the past graduates who have struggled a similar story and be part of that process. So, um, absolutely, which is much different than a review company where, you know, you pay for a product
0: and you use it here. It's the opposite. You use the product then you pay for it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Would you talk a little bit more in detail about what your actual interface with these SRNAs is? So you're saying that their process should take, a number of weeks, you put seven to ten days per ten points off of four fifty, the minimum pass score. So you're looking at at at, at least a couple of weeks uh, tutoring with these folks. If not, you know, four to eight weeks. So what does your interaction look like with them? You're meeting with them daily? Is it weekly interactions? Ha- talk to us oh, a little bit. Daily, about
1: that. <laughs> daily. So um, we use text messages a lot, and uh, very rarely email. Lots of phone calls. Um, the first intake calls with me is about an hour. It's about an hour intake with Matt. Um, and then weekly with Matt kind of doing follow-up, he'll follow up with people periodically, or if they, they call me and there's something a little bit off, I'll, I'll have Matt intercede a little sooner or I'll send them, send them to Matt a little earlier. Um, after each exam that they take, they send me a, there's a score that pops up a little bar graph. Um, and they'll send a screenshot of that to me and then we'll kind of look at it a little bit and then I'll start designing the next exam for, for them based on the previous material, um, and get them into the, uh, into the flow of the process. Um, and then usually another te- couple texts during the day, seeing how they're doing. If there's a, uh, kind of a red flag that pops up or they're struggling with this, or they're having a problem with that, then it's, you know, we jump on the phone right away kind of talk through the issue and keep them centered keep them focused on the process and then as we get up and get ready for the boards we you know we have a plan the week out there's kind of a couple comprehensive exams a few little exams on things that you got to know, like pheochromocytoma, carcinoid, anaphylaxis, you know, some of those little mini quizzes that you got to get 100% on. Um, and then a couple of days of just a light review. And then we have about an hour phone call the night before going into the exam talking about the exam itself, talking about, you know, don't do anything crazy. Don't eat Eat any goofy food tonight. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't eat any goofy food the next morning, scrambled eggs, protein bars, something basic, uh, do a test drive to the test center. You know, all the stuff that you, you think you should, you think about, but you don't, somebody's got to remind you to do it because you're only focused on the prize. So there's all kinds of little steps that I'll have them do uh, that's part of that that prep for the next day. And then more often than not, I'm usually the first or the second call um, after they get that little pass certificate. And it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. Because I know right then and there, they're just going to, they've worked so hard, they're going to be an amazing asset to the profession.
0: Yeah, yeah, Oh, that is, it's such a good feeling. Uh, When that happens, especially if you've encountered difficulty along the way, whether that's just hardship in anesthesia school or if that also includes failing boards at one point uh, or at several points. Um, I know that your methods are yours and, and they're to, you know, it's between you and these SRNAs in terms of the details of your contracts, but for the SRNAs who may be listening and wondering if they should reach out to you, can you give them an idea of what this would cost them in terms of uh, the total package or the average cost that people are uh, encountering when they work with you?
1: Yeah, it would be, it's less than you would spend, uh, to go to Valley for a weekend. Um and it's uh you know it's individualized to you and it's one on one access with you. Um so it's pretty reasonably priced in comparison. Okay. Uh their their only expense that they would have would be prodigy. But some of the schools buy Prodigy for the students. Yeah. So they already have it or some of them already have it. Um, if they have Apex, um, we work with, a- you know, I work with Apex's product. It's a great product as well. Um, and then bring in Prodigy into it. Um, I like Core Concepts Question of the Day. I think that's fantastic. Uh, the NBC RNA has a question of the week that they pose. You know, I have them take a little mini class on stems and distractors. That's part of this. And uh, there's a lot of people pieces beyond just the simple didactics that
0: we include in all this, but it's, it would be less than you would pay to go up to Valley for a weekend. And That's really interesting. And again, payment is not due until after you pass boards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I have some who, you know, credentialing takes a little extra time and they just call up and say, credentialing took a little extra time. Can I have some extra time? And it, for me, it's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, or- or I have some who say, hey, I get paid every two weeks. Can I send you four or
0: five checks and you just cash them every two weeks? I'm like, yeah, sure. So it's very flexible in that regard. Can you speak to um, success rates for folks that come on board with you? Have you had students that haven't passed boards? Have you had students that have dropped off the the tutoring plan?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I've had a couple who I've had to kind of drop off the plan. Um, and a lot of that's just not follow through, not studying, not communicating. Um, and that's hard, but that's a mutual decision that we come to together. Yeah. Um, and I've only had one in all the years of doing this that uh, did not get certified, uh, but he hired me after his eighth attempt uh, and we had to get permission for a ninth attempt. And then wow. he just didn't, didn't put any effort into the ninth attempt. And wow. it was unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Wow. Nine attempts at passing boards. What's the average uh, of students in terms of attempts at boards uh, before they contact you?
1: Uh, well, I would say, boy that I never looked at it that way. Um, some, you know they wait till after their fourth or fifth attempt and they reach out. Some it's right after their first one. Yeah. I would say most of them are after first one or second one. Now if somebody's taken it once and they come in at a 445 or 444, I'll tell them, you know, I'll talk to them for an hour and I'll say, you know, in reality, pretty high probability that you're going to pass on the next attempt. I would try a B and C and we give them some, some hints and study tools and techniques and stuff. And I say, you know, I, I, I just in good faith, I don't think it would be worth your money at this point. I think you're so close. It's just a question or two. Try this. And then I would say of those 90% pass on the next attempt. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, you- and then they, they go ahead. Yeah. The, they call and they're like, Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. And there's no charge for that. That's just about making oh my goodness. them successful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but there's some who say, no, I want to make sure that I get it on the next yeah. attempt. Can you work with me? I'm, yeah. Okay. But at least want to give them that out to say, you know, you're I'm pretty sure you're going to pass just because it's sounding like it's just a question or two tweak this or tweak that. And um, so, you know, I do give them that out if they're 445, 444, kind of in that range. Yeah.
0: And so again, just to, to speak to the SRNAs out there who are listening, who are, who are maybe hearing some hope in, through this podcast, you've had folks that have failed boards once, twice, three, four, five times. They reach out to you, they get on this plan and they pass boards. Like that's the usual.
1: I've had four who actually, who've reached out after their seventh attempt and we, they've passed on their eighth. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, and they passed at a hundred questions. Wow. So it was just a matter of there was no structure. Matt worked with them on mental health, you know, lots of labor, labor, a love going into it, working really hard with them, focusing on processes, holding them accountable. Um, and I hate to use the analogy, but their feet to the fire a little bit with yeah. accountability. And, you know, there's a standard here. You have to, you got to put in the effort. There's no slacking. you know, I don't take excuses and on that stuff. Um, you know, you do have to put in the effort, and and they do, and and then you know, that's just awesome. That's a life changing event for a lot of those people, because on the eighth attempt, you're done unless the NBCRNA board gives you blesses you with a ninth attempt. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to repeat school again, and for most people, you know, that's not an option. They're they're not going to go through that again.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not worth it at that point um, to mm-hmm. continue to yeah. to pay the expense and take the time. Uh, and again the average length of time that people work with you after a failed boards attempt is within that eight week window. Yeah. I would say most people are within that eight week window. Now COVID of course has played havoc
1: because a lot of the testing centers closed. So, um, and there were no, there's some third parties now, but they are also closing. So, Prior to COVID, it was, yeah, six to eight weeks was about the average. Now it's a little bit longer just depending on the testing centers themselves.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, Peter, you spend an an incredible amount of time tutoring SRNAs. You know, in, in a in another conversation that we've had, we've talked about, you know, kind of the average load of number of SRNAs or in residents that you're that you're working with at any given time, but this is an incredible amount of effort on in time on your part and the part of Matt. What motivated you to get into this to to help uh, residents in this way through tutoring?
1: Well, you know, so I I grew up dirt dirt poor, dirt poor. Um, And for me, my mom was always about um, not if you were going to go to college, where you're going to go to college. So I started in the seminary program and changed into nursing. And then my program director, Mary Moody and Tom Healy, um, I was an. I was just an average uh, nursing student, um, not, I would say, ne- definitely in probably the lower half of the class. But, you know, I had a passion for it. I loved it. I love being in critical care. And Tom Healy and uh, Mary Moody, uh, right in 2003 when the war started, I, um, I interviewed with them and then I got my orders to deploy to Iraq and Mary called up and says, we have a spot for you. And I said, Hey, I'm, I got this, um, I'm deploying, I'm leaving for Fort Stewart. And she said, Oh, we'll hold your spot for you. So they always took a chance on me. So I promised myself and them that I would give back. And this is how I'm honoring that that mission to give back. And I, it is a blessed profession. We have just an absolutely wonderful profession and I love being a CRNA. And I think we should all give back, whether it's, Trying to help with the foundation, being an active in our membership, mentoring young SRNAs coming up, teaching, taking some moments to share knowledge. Any way we can find to make things better um, is what we need to do. And that's just kind of my, my mission and my personal statement in life.
0: Well, Peter, that's an incredible sound off there in terms of why you're doing this. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Is there anything else that you want to say about preparing for boards or the services that you offer before we go?
1: Well, actually, I'm going to throw a shout out to you because, you know, you do a lot too to help out uh, with your podcast. (laughs) Uh, And, and, uh, you know, SRNAs listen to that. I use some of them for my pharmacology class and you know, you, you should be proud of yourself. You do a lot of awesome stuff to give back to the profession too. So I appreciate everything that you do. Oh, well, you're, you're far too kind. <laughs> uh, no, it's well, you know, it's a, it's a team effort, right? Team effort.
0: Yeah. We got to make
1: the world a better place.
0: For you know? sure. And yeah, as I have gotten into teaching at CRNA conferences and meeting people nationally, it is very inspiring to to meet other folks such as yourself and Matt Zender, people out there who are giving back, who are finding ways to, make the community stronger and more interconnected. Uh, we are part of an incredible profession who I think on the whole, uh, are just some amazing people who are, who are willing to give of their time and energy to support other people. So, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over the last couple of years. So how can SRNAs, uh, reach out to you if they're interested in receiving help, uh, with tutoring services?
1: Well, if they email you asking, just forward their emails to me.
0: <laughs> uh, okay.
1: Um, they uh, The Prodigy is kind enough to um, have a link on the Prodigy webpage that they can get a hold of me. Um, I'm on the, uh, there's a, um, it's called SRNA Moving On Facebook group that Betsy Manjo put together. For SNAs who are struggling on their boards. So I'm in that Facebook group that they can get a hold of me. And all of their program directors have my contact information. Great. So they can reach out with the program directors and and
0: and get that information as well. Great, great. That's excellent. Well, Peter, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And good luck with the tutoring services. I'm stoked that you're out there. I've definitely recommended your services to SRNAs that I work with. And really anyone who comes up that I hear of that's struggling with boards, I always uh, point them in your direction. So I appreciate you being out there and for the work that you and Matt are doing.
1: Yep. It's all about making people successful. We just have a blessed profession. We have to we have to support each other. And, and you never know, I'm going to need my hip replaced someday. So I better have somebody who's a good CRNA who's going to help me out with that. So we
0: got, we got to give back. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks so much. We'll talk soon.
1: Yeah. Thanks for all you do too. You have a blessed night. Take care
0: what up y'all john here stay tuned for the next episode of anesthesia guidebook that will dive into the world of significant others of those in anesthesia school if you're looking for advice or encouragement on how to do anesthesia school when you're not the one in anesthesia school that shows for you you don't want to miss it so i'll see you next time